Hi, thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C., and the program is service of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com. Hey, if you're a meeting planner and you're looking for a speaker or you're a speaker and you're looking for a meeting planner, a conference to speak at, visit the virtual marketplace at SpeakerMatch.com. Today on the program, we've got a big-time guest, and uh, what a wonderful guy, too. He's not only a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his work with Jefferson Airplane for all those years, but also a five-decade, five-decade member of Hot Tuna, the side project he started with Jefferson Airplane's Jack Cassidy all those years ago. And uh, most interestingly to me, he's sort of local to my neck of the woods. Jorma Kalkinen settled on the Fur Peace Ranch, which is just across the Ohio River from Ravenswood, West Virginia, where I owned a radio station for several years. Hey, Yorma, how you doing? I'm doing great, man, and you are so right. I've been a local for almost 30 years now, although since you're from this area originally, I could live here for 50 years and I'd still be that new guy. But you, you would be an goes. outsider. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> How did you find that area? You know, most folks, I'm sure, think of you as a Bay Area guy. You didn't grow up in the Bay Area, but you'll forever be associated with that San Francisco yeah, sound. You know? Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, well, you know, it's a funny thing. You know, um, it, I just, I just stumbled into it. A guy who I'd known in the '60s in South Florida had been living up in Meigs County, and he called me in '89 out of the blue. I was living in upstate New York. And he offered me this piece of property where the Fur Peace Ranch is. And, and uh, you know, at that time, the land down here was very cheap. So, you know, I got I got uh, uh, 26 acres for 32,000 bucks. And I, I had no idea what I was going to do with this, but it just seemed like a good idea to me. So I bought it. My wife, Vanessa, of course, thought I'd lost my mind. But, you know, we, we, we moved down here in like 91 or so. And, uh, you know, I've been to southeast ohio and ever since and it was one of the if not the best one of the best moves i've ever made so you still tour extensively of course not right now um yeah but, of course yeah but but normally you're all over the country all over the world still to this right. day and is right. it does that present any challenges living sort of in a very remote area yeah i mean look i mean of course like me and all my other colleagues we're all unemployed right now but um but no, I'm I'm 90 miles from Columbus. If I have to fly, I just drive up to the Columbus airport. Um, you know, and you know the thing for me is people always go, well, don't you miss living in an urban area? I, you know, when I'm working, I spend, gosh, I probably do 130 plus gigs a year, so I see plenty of quote unquote civilization, and I get to come back here. I mean, the answer is it's really simple to, you know, I just get on the bus or drive to Columbus. Tell me about the Fur Peace Ranch and and what you guys do there for folks who aren't familiar. Sure. Well, I'm I'm sitting on on the porch of one of the buildings of the Fur Peace Ranch right now. Fur Peace Ranch is a, a you know we've been around for 22 some years now, and and uh, it's a it's a music school. Um, we have we have really killer instructors. I'm not the only instructor. We have all kinds of things. Obviously, due to the pandemic, we're not open right now, but we're opening again August 15th uh, coming up. Anyway. Um, and, you know, we have we have a four day classes. The classes are from Friday morning to Monday morning. When we first started out, we tried it longer. But first of all, nobody can take off that much time for work. And secondly, it just overloads them. So, and, you know, and we're in a, you know, you're from this area originally. So, you know what the deal is. It's beautiful. It's relaxing. And everybody's got nothing to do but play the guitar and, uh, you know, swap geeky gear stories and learn 
learn licks. You uh, you definitely have your own little slice of paradise there, and and you guys do some live performances and bring in big national talent as well. We do. Uh, you know, again, you know, like everybody else, we've been shut down, but but August fifteenth, we've got Sam Bush is going to be our first uh, first live show open to the public. You know, since all this nonsense happens, uh, I've been doing a weekly show Saturday night at eight o'clock. Um, uh, it's a YouTube, the Fur Peace Ranch, uh, the Fur Peace TV channel on YouTube. Free, like I say, if it's not free, it's not me. You know, don't get caught behind a paywall somewhere. And we've been doing this. I think we've got our 11th show coming up uh, this Saturday. And, um, you know, I just get out there. We have a video production thing there because we've been doing, you know, shows when we do our live shows when things are quote unquote normal. So, so yeah. So, you know, we have, we have live shows at the ranch, which are coming back. And, and I've been doing this thing every Saturday night and teaching about doing a bunch of teaching online. Hey, let's rewind back to the mid sixties and all sure. that incredible music that came out of the yeah, San Francisco man. Bay area. As a guy looking back on this some 50 years later, could you have ever foreseen uh, you know the the legacy of of those bands that that all sort of intermingled back there. No, I mean you know obviously, I mean it, it, you know I'm 79 years old, so I look back and I realize that people go, did you ever think when you were whatever 20 that you'd? And the answer is absolutely not. You know, there's just no way to conceive of something like that. And you know one of the stories that I tell, um, uh, Jack Cassidy. Janis Joplin, myself, and Jerry Garcia were in uh, in, a, in this town called Olin Poly, north of San Francisco, where the dead used to have a place back in the 60s. And we're sitting around talking, and Janis and I were talking about, because um, I'd known Janis for a long time, about how long was it going to be before people took us seriously as, quote-unquote, authentic artists. And Jerry said, we're going to be archetypes. And, of course, I went, no way. You know, but the way things happened, you know, by some strange quirk of fate, we created a genre of music that is a genre. I mean, you can take a college course in psychedelic music. I mean, really, who would have thought? And it's paid dividends all these years. And when you walk across the stage at, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and and you now are, do you, do you consider yourself one of the old guys, one of the establishment that, that you know you railed <laughs> against in the counterculture? That's hilarious. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, look, you, you can still protest about stuff when you get old. But, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's funny stuff. You know, you know, when 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 you're that age and you think that you're going to be, you're always going to be the tip of the spear. You know, yeah. and that's just that's just not how it is. You know, the good news for a guy like me, whose muse is, you know, you know now I get what do we call it? roots music? Now I guess that we can categorize stuff that way. So I'm not, you know, most of the stuff that I do these days, I guess, would be categorized as roots music. But but because of all the stuff I did with the airplane in those seven years we were together. Even my most traditional stuff is tinged with the way I approach that kind of music. I don't set out to go, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out a psychedelic uh, solo to the thrill is gone or something like that. It's <laughs> not like that, but, but you know, I, I just play the way I do, and that's you know, and that's kind of like slid into, you know, the current version of all that stuff because guys like me learned weird, non-traditional stuff back in the '60s. But I mean, really, who would have thought? that you know san francisco was a small town back then and we all moved there because it was cheap that's a joke today wow but, imagine but, that 
Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. But I mean, to think that 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 small little town and the stuff that we all did would have such long legs so many years later, nobody could have thought of that. And you and Jack, you know, have the, this what was I guess at the time sort of a spinoff side group, Hot Tuna, that has sure. far outlived all of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Jack's a DC boy too. We're talking about DC now, Jack. Uh, I went to Lafayette Elementary School, Alice Steele Junior High, and Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Jack was from another neighbor, too. He went to Merch Elementary, but he also went to Alice Steele and, and Wilson. And, you know, we met when he was still in junior high school. Jack and I have been playing. I've known him longer than that. We've been playing music together since 1958. So, so he's my oldest bud in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And, you know, and we just, for some strange reason, we just never got tired of each other, you know. We're still friends after all this time. And, and and as a result, we've still got hot tuna. That's incredible. And and it, when you're in such close proximity to other people for so long, and people change through the years, you guys have been able to maintain that friendship. What what do you think it is about Jack that, that, that makes it comfortable for you? Yeah. Well, you know, if Jack was part of this, in, this interview, well, first of all, I wouldn't have to talk much because he takes over interviews. We do. Wow. <laughs> we do. Uh, <laughs> people always think he doesn't talk, but he's a talkative lad. But if he was part of this, you'd realize immediately that we're both really different kind of guys. But, but I think who we are basically has not changed since we were kids. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of water under the, you know, over the dam and all that kind of stuff. But most importantly, even when we couldn't have thought about it this way, I think Jack always had respect for each other as men and as artists. And we still have that. Uh, you know, we've never had a band meeting. You know, people go, Hot Tuna, that's a lot of sense. We've never had a band meeting. That's what I attribute the success of Hot Tuna to. Um, and we've just, and even though we disagree about stuff, we've never raised our voice to each other. We've never had an argument, you know. So we just, for some reason, have always been able to work stuff out. And I guess that's probably the secret. Hey, Yorma, be straight with me. Is it still fun for you to play after all these years, or is it a job? Because I talk to your older musicians sometimes who've been doing it for a long time professionally, and they literally call it a job. I've got a job in Florida this weekend. I've got a, right. a job in California. They're no longer playing music. So which is it for you? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, that's that's a really great question. And before I, before I give you the answer that's right at the top of my – I mean, first of all, it is a job, which means – that when we go to play, we owe it to our audience to give them the most honest and most profound performance we're able to give at that moment. Okay, having said that, um, you know, one of the things that's amazing to me is I have never lost the excitement. I was I was just twanging away on the guitar working on some old song I'm going to bring back for our, our concert this Saturday night. And I'm just sitting there. I don't have my pick songs. I knew you were going to call. And, I'm, and, and it just occurred to me. I love the guitar today as much as I did when I first discovered the thing. That's I don't great. know why that is. And and I've always loved, you know, not just playing, because I obviously love that, but I've always loved playing for people. I remember the first time that I ever played for an audience, uh, I, I, I dealt myself into a, a Presbyterian uh, uh, youth church retreat, even though I'm Jewish. And the reason was it was co-ed, and I figured I'd meet a girl or something of like course. that. Um, but but then they had a talent show and I played a song and people liked it. I went, I really like this. I probably I probably just sucked horribly. I probably shouldn't have done that. But I mean, the answer to your question is, yeah, I do. Yeah, I still love all this kind of stuff. 
is it a job? Of course it is. Is it a great job? Absolutely. And, you know, you look around at, at blue-collar folks from the area that we're around, and, and those are folks that really work for a living. You know, maybe they're coal totally. miners underground, or, or they work the oh land. Oh, my God, you know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, listen, everybody's got to work for a living because nobody's handing money out. But, yeah, that's some serious work. And not only that, you know, because I live on, on a piece of property that used to be a farm. And actually, I, we had a place 10. I live at the ranch now. But we had a place 10 miles from here before, which was, which was an old farm. And people go, would you live on a farm? And I go, yeah, yeah, because it was a farm. Is it a working farm? I go, have you lost your mind? I mean, I can't think of a job except maybe coal mining. This is more work than actually being a farmer. Yeah, yeah. What what is the biggest misconception about a musician's life, a professional musician's life? What do people get wrong most about Yorma? Well, I don't. That that's a good question. I mean, you know, I've been around, so I guess first of all, people think that I'm independently wealthy, and 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 whatever. You know, I'm, I'm clipping coupons. And the answer is, I was the to that question is, I was the grasshopper, not the ant, when I was younger. So so I have to keep on working. But the good news is that I'm able to do that. Right. Um, um, I guess, I guess people that don't like, here's an example. We got a, we got a letter, uh, some guy sent my wife a letter. He, he loved, he loved the little free weekend show he was doing. He was talking about this Robert Graham shirt that I had on. Well, I can't, you shouldn't be dressing your arm. You should be wearing jeans and t-shirt. So everybody's got an idea. I'm wearing jeans and t-shirt right now because after I finish talking to you, I'm going to take my paddleboard to the lake, you know? Yep. When I get on stage, I like to dress up a little, but I guess the greatest the great greatest misconception is people are think you are who they see you are at any given moment. Like when Jack and I cut our hair in the seventies, our fans went nuts. <laughs> they wanted no part guess, of that. Yeah, I guess the, I guess the misconception is people don't realize that. Yeah, we got a great gig. Yeah, we get to communicate on a primal level with a lot of people, but under that, we're just regular Joes. When you um, when you hear one of those those classic songs uh, that you had a part in on the radio, or it's in a movie, and you know White Rabbit seems to it's in every Vietnam movie ever made for sure. Example. Yeah, it, it, does that ever take you aback? And 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 what what happens in your head whenever you you see that in a movie, or you hear one of those songs on the radio today? Well, for, the first time you know when we put our first album out, and we, the first time we had a radio station play our single because they had. You remember, remember when they had singles and people send you guys 45s and stuff? I remember. <laughs> yeah, me too. Anyway, the first time I heard, uh, I think I heard, I think it was KDIA Lucky 13 out of, uh, out of Oakland. I think that was the first time I heard one of our songs on the radio. That was like, holy moly, we're on the radio. Now, this many years later, you know, especially with so much stuff being online, when one of our things pops up, and as often as not, it's in a commercial and people go, well, do you, do you know about that? And the answer is, of course you know about that. You make deals with this kind of stuff. It goes great. People listen, even if I hear it in an elevator, it's go, wow, people are still listening to us. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. Hey, I, uh, it is I, I know our time is short, but I, I do want to touch on what's been happening in the world. The last couple of sure. weeks with, with the yeah, protests man. and, uh, you know, Rightly or not, I'm sure many people think of you as one of those counterculture sort of icons, one sure. of the, the godfathers yeah. of, of that whole thing. So as as yeah. you look out on this 50 years after the protest and the riots in 68, 
What goes through your mind? Give me some perspective there. You know, first of all, I need I need a public disclaimer. I'm not an authority on political action. Sure. And my opinions are my opinions. You know. Fair enough. Now, Paul can Paul and Grace and stuff like that. They were very they were they were more active in the in the protest thing. However, when I in 1959, my first year at Antioch College, I, I marched in Yellow Springs, you know, to desegregate the. Uh, uh, the barbershop there. And so, so I, I've been in, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like a freedom marcher. I didn't do all that kind of stuff, but I've been involved in that stuff. I also, uh, I, you know, I, I'm from a biracial family. I have a cousin who's black. His father was black. He identifies as black. He's my cousin. And, and my daughter is Asian. So, so, so I relate to a lot of this stuff on, 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 on a lot of levels. Am I a white privileged guy? I was born in the last century, white male. It's like hitting the lottery in our country. That's you know? right. And, and, but, but it shouldn't be that way, you know? And, and do I have white privilege? Absolutely. You know, and it's not something you think about until all this stuff comes up. Do we need change in this country? Absolutely. Do I have solution for it? I don't know. You know, but, but I, but I, you know, if somebody, if, if a mob is coming to destroy my property, that's, this might be a different conversation we'd be having, but, but things don't happen nicely in the world, you know, and, and for better and worse, I, th- I think all this stuff is absolutely necessary today. And hopefully on some deep level, um, it, it's going to make some change. And, and uh, you know, we, we could I'm not going to go into politics because opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, you know, yep. but but things could be better. Things could be better. And right now, I would like to think that there are going to be positive results from all this. And that the, and that the ripples will not just subside; it'll go back to the way it was. Hope springs eternal, especially on the Fur Peace Ranch today. Yeah, totally right, exactly. And you know, it's, I'm glad you said that because that's a line I use all the time. I mean, you know, a, a guy that's—I mean, all of us. I don't care how old you are; you have ups and downs in life, and this and that. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I'm healthy. I got a great family. I'm still able to make a living. I'm talking to you. I live on a beautiful piece of property. I mean, listen, I've been blessed beyond. Anything I could have thought about at any point in my life, you know, and and that's that. And, I, you know, and I don't feel guilty about that. I accept that. And anything I can do to make things to help make things better, uh, if it makes sense to me, I'm, I'm going to do it. Hey, Yorma, you mentioned that you are doing these live online shows. If folks want to yeah. check that out, how do they find you? OK, so um, if you go to YouTube yeah, this is really funny. If my daughter up, she'd tell me she she's fourteen, so she knows all this stuff. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess the best way is to go, you know, to go to YouTube and go to the Fur Peace Fur Peace TV channel, um, and it's eight o'clock on on Saturday every Saturday night. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel, you guys out there, if you're interested, please do so. It doesn't cost anything, and the more subscribers we get, it's it just it, it, it accrues nicely to our benefit. But let me tell you something really interesting. You know, obviously our place has been closed because we're, you know, we're a public service facility. I've been out of work because I'm a traveling musician, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I've been doing, so I've been doing these free shows. People that, that have loved what we do have stepped up. We started to get donations. I'm not, you know, I'm not soliciting. I didn't start out soliciting donations because that wasn't why I was doing that. But people have been donating with PayPal and Venmo. And more importantly than that, they've been buying stuff from our comp- company store on a level that has never happened in the 22 some years we've been together. As a result of which, 
um, I was able to keep three of our staff people on full time with the money we're making from the store. Oh, that's great. I mean, you must feel, uh, you know, blessed in, in a whole different way that people are looking out for you and they believe in your mission there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, like I said, you know, you start talking about stuff like this, it starts to sound sappy, but I will just say I cannot possibly overstate the fact that I am incredibly grateful to these folks. Any word on when you guys are going to reopen and when people can come out to the Fur Piece Ranch and, and visit sure. you and, and see shows? Do you know yet? Yeah. Well, right now it's going to be right now. Our date is August 15th. And unless something goes south between now and then, we're going to be open to the public August 15th. Now, we are doing these we are doing these panini lunches. We had our first one last weekend and I, I played for the lunch crowd. Um, we you know, we have a great kitchen and a chef and all this kind of stuff. And we, we, we can do like tw- we did 25 people and we want to, you know, we have plenty of room for people to social distance. They get, they get, they, they have to, um, you know, buy their ticket online and order the stuff online. Then they come here and we have all this food stuff for them and, and I play. So check it, go to the furpeaceranch.com site and check out, uh, the Panini Lunch concert series. So we're doing that. Uh, we just started last week. We've got another one coming up this week. And I so look forward to being able to get back out in the world again, as as we all do, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, talk about being blessed. You know, I love New York City. I've lived there before. But, you know, and I mean no disrespect to the New Yorkers because that's, that's, I'm an honorary New Yorker. But but the fact that I live in an area where our social distancing allows me to wander around a hundred some acres of property, it's you know, I realize I'm pretty much socially distant most of the time anyway. Yeah, just by the virtue of your lifestyle there. That's exactly Correct. right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hey Yorman, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I appreciate it and uh, keep doing what you do. You're a national treasure, my friend. Yeah, well, you know, the Ohio River, the Ohio Valley, it's just an awesome place. You know, our little cluster with West Virginia and stuff like that. So when people get to move around again, you know, when you think, where am I going to go? You know, should I go to Dollywood or should I go to Parkersburg or Pomeroy where I live? And I say, come on down to Pomeroy, pay us a visit. We would love to stop by and and visit the Fur Peace Ranch, and we'll check you out online at furpeaceranch.com. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, founding member of Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, Yorma Kalkinen on the Big Time Talker podcast. Check him out at furpeaceranch.com. That is F-U-R-P-E-A-C-E, of course, furpeaceranch.com. The Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by speakermatch.com. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, whatever you do today, go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.
Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here in Washington, D.C., and the program the service of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you are a meeting planner or you're a speaker, get together at SpeakerMatch.com's virtual marketplace. Hey, on today's show, we've got a very special guest. He is a founding member of Jefferson Airplane, a five-decade, five-decade member of the jam band Hot Tuna, along with his airplane friend Jack Cassidy. Uh, he's also a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I think perhaps most interestingly to me, he is a local to my area back in West Virginia. As a matter of fact, I used to own a radio station in Ravenswood, West Virginia, just a few miles from where Yorma Kalkinen has called home for the past three decades on his Fur Peace Ranch. So, Yorma, you're basically a local to my neck of the woods. 